Welcome to Householders, a conversation about American life as Zen practice. I'm Inga Annie Wade. And I'm Kyosaku John Mitchell, and we're lay members of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center. I'm happy to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. We, uh, we've talked almost every week for like a year. Yeah. And then... Uh, you know, took a took a hiatus for a few months. Do you want to tell folks why that happened? Yeah, so my dad uh, got sick with cancer, and from everything I knew, it was going to be um, terminal. So there was nothing that the the doctors could do about it. Um, it was too late. Um, and he really wanted to just do what he could um, in the way of naturally trying to heal it. Um, And he, you know, he really believed that he could, I think. Mm. So I was going to go visit him. And, and, you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, I do have a lot of faith in, like, what, what, uh, you know, exercise and eating right and, you know, all the good stuff has. But I, I also am a big contender for medicine. But at this point, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, mm. he was he was very sick at this point. So mm-hmm. I don't disagree with his decision not to end up getting treatment for it. But that is kind of what he decided that he wasn't going to get treatment he wasn't going to go through any cancer treatment he was just going to do what he can to treat it naturally um and i and my brother went and saw him in alabama which is he was staying staying with his sister my aunt Teresa, and um my brother saw him and he was really skinny um and he took him back to austin texas with him so they had this tiny home that they had worked on together. My dad helped put in the septic tank. And Nate thought like, oh, well, this will be a great place for you to heal. You know, it's away from all the stressors that you have to deal with. And you can just focus on you. You can just focus on your illness. And I think, you know, Nate also, you know, really wanted to support him. And, you know, his his belief that he was going to get better but more than that i don't i just think that dad didn't want anybody to treat him like he was dying mm. and i went up there to texas and this was about christmas that's when i left on christmas day i think um and went to texas and took my little brother there with me and got to see dad a little bit i had a cold so i couldn't really see him a whole lot mm. i didn't want to get him sick with a cold on top of everything else Thankfully, it wasn't COVID, but I tried and um, just to keep my distance a little bit. He didn't really want that, but um, and, you know, he just looked he looked really he looked really skinny. I mean, dad, he's always a a big man. You know, he's Mm -hmm. uh, six, six feet tall, 200 pounds, you know, Um, big shoulders, burly man, Mm -hmm. you know, Uh, and he was just really skinny. You know, like his his legs were skinnier than my legs, you know. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, like that's when it just like started being like really stressful. Just like 
watching someone kind of like diminish. Um, so I, I didn't really like that he wasn't eating a whole lot. And I was like, let's just give him what food he wanted. But he wanted to try a diet that was supposed to heal him, which was like, like, um, it was basically a, like, like a raw vegan diet, basically. Um, but yeah, so after, after that was done, I, I left and I came back home for a week and I just felt like just horrible. Like I needed to be there, you know? And I, my aunt Teresa called me and she was like, I'd really like it if you were there with him. You know, it probably won't be that much longer. So I called Nate and I said, you know, I'd like to be there. Um, I think he needs round the clock care at this point. Like he's doing, he, you know, he would walk to the hammock outside, fall asleep in the hammock outside, like, and then. Um, you know, just be able to walk back inside with like the help of like a, a you know, a staff, a walking staff. So he just wasn't really like getting, getting a lot of exercise or anything. He just didn't have a lot of energy. And so I said, I'll stay with him. And I mean, this is kind of what I regret about this situation is that I felt like I needed to keep working at the same time Mm. so i i did go back there and finally they're like yeah okay he needs he needs around the clock care so um it's nate was like it's really hard on me like i have a wife and and son you know i have stuff to take care of like it would be great if i could get your help so i'm like yeah sure i i had offered before i'm gonna go so i i took off that next day i went back to austin texas and um stayed with him in the tiny home for a few days and worked at the same time. So I was trying to keep this, like, schedule. Um, I mean, I, I don't know why I did that. I mean, I think I I didn't know how long it was going to be. I didn't know how long I was going to be there. I booked my flight for a week and a half, but I knew very well it could go on for longer, you know. And I just was like, okay, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work. And so I did, I was working at the same time as that he, he was dying. And like, I would, I would just be like on a call with a client. I could hear him in pain in the background all the time. And and, and at night it was worse. At night he didn't sleep at all. And I didn't know what to do what to do for him he had he had pain medications but like he didn't want to take those that much really they wanted to keep him like nate and and him like they both wanted him to be like cognizant you know like he took he took pain pills and he was he was loopy he wasn't he would fall asleep he wasn't himself it's like you couldn't have a conversation with him so they chose to not take the, these medications, which mean, meant he was in pain all the time, you know? Mm. And he... I did get to have conversations with him while I was there. 
we had we had conversations i talked about religion and stuff because you know i wanted to pick conversations he would be interested in and that that were meaningful to him because that's what he wanted that's what he said he wanted for me he said just this is the time where we can have conversations so as soon as i'd get off work i would you know make us some food you know he would barely eat any of it maybe like a bite and we would just talk and sit there and talk with each other But it was really hard, especially at night, because I didn't sleep. I, 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 I uh, you know, my dad had some weed there because, you know, just to, to help with things. Mm-hmm. And I would take that every single night just to make sure I slept at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, he would wake up be really really uncomfortable I would I would try to help him in some ways there are some things that happened you know like he had a catheter and you know I'd have to you know help him with that at night and um it I don't know I guess I guess I don't want to get too into detail like it, it was stressful I'll just say that it was stressful at the same time I'm glad I got to experience this. I'm glad I got to be there for someone in their last days. Mm-hmm. It's made me it's it's changed my perspective on on everything. Because I realized that like that's not the only time I'm going to have to do that. Because people die, and that's as much a part of life as anything else. But the ones I'm close to, I'm going to have to be there for them when they do, when they do die. And that was a realization that I just never really thought about before. I have, I have a lot more stuff, but I feel like I've been talking for like ever. Well, <laughs> so. I mean, this isn't this isn't a uh, a story I'm going to interject myself into. I mean, I, there there are there are um there are things I want to know about the 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 situation, what really happened, like more of the story, and there are also things like I want to know about the medical the story. Well, I mean, I want to know whatever it is you want to share. I just, I, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's that I feel, I feel like I would be grateful to hear bo- both more about the story, but also more about the perspective. Like the, like the, you know, you, you shifted gears a little bit into talking about like a new outlook yeah on life and i want to know about that but i also feel like i would learn just as much about that mm-hmm. from hearing more about what happened well so there were times where he wasn't really himself at all mm. well I, I actually not at all like there it, it's really interesting to me the, the the days that I that I spent with with him, 
he um he never really seemed sad mm. um he seemed like he was in pain and, and i and i get that he complained maybe a little bit but honestly like i'm almost just really surprised about how uh non-complaining he was and how not like sorrowful he was he mm. so in some ways he was exactly like his normal self but what i i guess what i'm saying here is there was times where i thought he was having withdrawals from the the pain pills or something but now that i look back i'm thinking maybe his his mind was dying mm. um and some of the things that he was going through like they weren't they weren't exactly logical they were Almost like fever dreamish, you know. Um, you know, he, what I think the first night, the second night, I the second night I stayed with him, he would, you know, just be in pain and, and getting out of the bed, and I would try to ask him what he needs or what he could do, and it was almost like the there was a communication barrier there. He wasn't really hearing my words very clearly, or he wasn't really understanding them. Um, he would respond, but it wasn't just in the way you would think that someone would respond. It was kind of confusing. Um, I didn't think much of it at the time, except for like, well, that was stressful. But maybe he was having withdrawals from the from the the um, pain pills because they they uh, kind of took them down a little bit, so he wouldn't be so loopy. I mean, when I say they, I mean him and Nathan decided decided that together. That the um, he was in hospice care, so you know they're just gonna recommend you take as many drugs as you want as you want so or mm -hmm. more than you want <laughs> mm -hmm. um, because i guess the idea is that if it's the end of your life then you know if you're if you're addicted to pain pills then it doesn't really matter um and that's what i experienced before my my uncle died of cancer too and he was in hospice and he was just asleep the whole time he wasn't cognizant like my dad. He wasn't talking to me. He wasn't having conversations. He wasn't himself. He was just a sleeping person. Mm -hmm. So I, in some ways, I thought that that's what I was getting into. I thought that I would be there. And that's why I thought I could work at the same time. Like, well, he's going to be asleep all day. That's what Nate told me. He said he's going to be asleep. So I'm like, well, if he's just going to sleep, I can work during the day and just, you know, make sure he has stuff he needs during my breaks or in between client calls and everything. But it wasn't like that. It was just he needed help all the time, and it took a long time to help him because he wanted to do things by himself still. He wanted to get up and go to the bathroom by himself, but he was losing energy all the time, and I'd have to help him, but he'd have to be ready for it. It would take, you know, it could take half an hour to get to the bathroom. It wasn't gonna be something that I could do but I did that for five days um five days of waking up several times every night and uh just so I could but I wore earplugs just so I could sleep a little bit because there's honestly I mean it sounds horrible it's just like there wasn't gonna be I wouldn't be able to help him every single time he was in pain because there wasn't anything I could do but if he called me, I, I don't, I'm such a light sleeper, I would hear it through the earplugs. There's I'm just that light of a sleeper. 
So, you know, if I it, or if he just sounded more distressed than regular, I would I would wake up and see what he needed and everything. Um. Well, I decided I told Nate that I was just having a really hard time, that it was extremely stressful and I was exhausted um, and I was worried about my own health. And that's when his family came. And when I say his family, it's like after, you know, after him and my mom separated, like he had a new family. Um, he married um, a woman named Maida. They had two kids, Scott and Louisa. So I have half brother and sister. And, um, you know, and then she re, re uh, I guess got a new uh, partner a long time ago. They've been together for a while, um, Fabrizio, and you know they had a kid together. So this is the whole family. Like dad was still part of that family, even though like him and Maida weren't really together anymore. It was still a really important part of that family, and they came to see him and they stayed with him for two nights. And I went to with my to my sister's house, which was you know like twenty minutes away. And I slept on the ground, <laughs> on the floor, mm -hmm. in my sister's house. Um, and she helped me recover a little bit. You know, she took care of me. She draw baths for me and make food for me and everything. I was just like kind of energyless at this point, and you know, um, but I was really happy that they were there because they needed to see him too. And in some ways, I kind of felt bad that we had him in Texas and that, yeah, we're his family, but I, I don't know. It's like, but they're his family. And I don't know, maybe he should have stayed with them, but it, this is how it happened. So I think he had one of those episodes, one of the night where he was there and he wasn't being himself and that kind of scared them. And, you know, we decided we can't take care of him forever because, you know, just emotionally and physically, it was really, really hard. I couldn't physically take care of him the way that I would want to. I, I mean, he's a lot bigger than me. I wasn't able to take him to the bathroom if he needed to go to the bathroom, you know? He had to rely on me for everything. I mean, the, they had hospice nurse come every once in a while, but they would just, like, help a little bit. Like, okay, it's time for a shower, Mr. Paul, and they just put him in the shower. And... But it was, you know, if not, it would just be it would just be me, and, and Nate was getting run down, too. And we're like, this isn't sustainable. What do we do? So they said, we'll, we'll take him on a... I think they decided with his his family that they were we were going to take him back to Alabama and that he would stay with them until he was ready to go and we we're getting ready for this this trip you know getting all our 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 ducks in a row and everything and I stayed with them during the day I, I kind of said I couldn't I can't stay at night anymore I need I need to be able to sleep I'm really worried about my own health you know and and so he uh, 
I I stayed with him during the day and and um, Eris wasn't sure he she wanted to see him. She she's had a lot of, of trauma related to him and and I I understood that, but she came with me to help me because she wanted to make sure that I was okay and that Nate was okay, you know. But he started giving me instructions for things. He'd given me instructions this whole time on things he needed from me, you know, like, oh, could you go get me something to drink? Could you get me this, you know? Could you move the heater closer to me? Could I, could I get more close? You know, those kind of things, anything that he needed. And, um, and this time he, but the instructions were strange. You know, he would tell me that he wanted me to fold him up. And, you know, to take, to take a, to take this other towel and fold that up and to fold something else up. And I, I was like, oh, I'm so confused. I was getting a little frustrated. And I had to tell Eris, it's like, he keeps talking about folding things up, folding him up and everything. Hmm. And so she decided to go see him. And I, I think it was, it was good because in some ways it was like he was a child again. Like a a child who just woke up from like a fever and was confused and didn't know what was going on and just um you know was a little frustrated and and she was she was helping him she was she would say okay now I'm folding it up just the way you wanted it you know um and he's like okay now fold it this way she's like folding it this way and he's like. Could you go get the swaddling cloths out of the closet? She's like, okay, I'm going to go get the swaddling cloths. She just brings him some sheets. I got the swaddling cloths. And we went back home that night to, to Eris's house, and, um, and we were going to send him off the next day so he could go on this road trip back to his family. And um, we were on our way there, and Nate sent a text message. He said, you know, Dad, he's having a lot of belabored breathing, and um, I, I don't think he's going to – I think he's going to pass on. So we're like, well, we're almost there, so we're going to make it there. So – when I got there, he was already breathing, you know, in a, in a strange way. And I'll never forget how that sounded. It was very heavy, but had like a, just like, it was like, almost like it was really hard to breathe, like taking very deep breaths. And we, we went there and um, laid with him while he was, um, while he was breathing like that and it um you know held his hand and everything and and you know the nurse said oh well you know he can still hear you so we just talked to him a little bit and I started to sing yesterday by the Beatles because I just thought that he would recognize that song and then Eris started singing with me and um and then he just stopped breathing mm-hmm. and that was 
definitely the first time that I'd been there when someone had actually died. People I know have died, but I've never been there. I've never been a part of that experience. I've never been there for someone when they were transitioning. And we had a ceremony for him. Nate, Nate called my other brother, so it was all of us there and my sister-in-law, and we all knew him, and I did the Heart Sutra. And um, and we he was there. They don't they don't take the the body right away. Mm-hmm. You call them, um, and they'll come like three or four hours later to come get it. There's no rush, and I think it was it was kind of nice actually because he was just laying in the bed, and and we had time to kind of have this impromptu. Uh, ceremony for him mm. and uh, we we made a fire we had hot toddies and we looked at pictures that he had there I think Maida brought the pictures for us and it turned out that Nate had this video that he he made right before that day the day he died, he made this video about what he wanted in case he died. He never would talk about this. He never would because in his mind, he was going to get better. He told me several times that God told him he was going to live, mm-hmm. said so in the Bible. So that's what was going to happen. But this time, that day, he actually talked about it and he told us what he wanted. And of course, he wanted people to celebrate his life and he wanted people to nobody to fight about any of his stuff or anything about him. And Nate got it on film because he wanted to make sure so he didn't have a will or anything or a last testament or anything like that. So that was kind of what that was. Was there a uh, funeral later on? No. Hmm. Did that did that ritual in the room feel like enough of a of a I don't know transition? Yeah. It did. I mean, it, the thing is, is that where he was, where Nate's property was, it it was in a rural area, and you know we had the it was a very beautiful day, and we had the mm. bonfire, and Nate, mm. you know, lit the incense in his room. Um, and the, the windows and the doors were open and it just felt like he could, I don't know, just be at peace there. And, um, Kate played this native American flute that he liked. Um, you know, and I did the heart sutra and, um, we played music in there and it just felt, it did feel like, it felt like the most, maybe the most meaningful funeral I've been to. Wow. I I had I talked to the um the chaplain cuz he came by and I just felt like I 
Well, everybody's saying, you know, the nurses were saying how positive he was. And I actually do think, thinking back now, I'm like, well, yeah, he actually was really positive about it, um, which is a good thing, I think. But I was like, well, I didn't want to think of him that he never accepted his own death. Yeah. It bothered me as a Buddhist that he wouldn't take that head on. I don't know why I would want to put those expectations on him when he's not, <laughs> he's not me, you know. You shouldn't have the, but I I really wanted him to come to terms with it and and talk about it and stuff, you know. He said the chaplain said, well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but even if he's, if he's not, if he doesn't accept death, you know, it doesn't mean he's not at peace. But I don't know, maybe maybe he did accept death if he was able to finally talk about it on his last day. Maybe it just took him that long. Yeah, that that's. That's what I thought when you told me that happened. You know, it's... But it, it was stressful in some ways that he didn't want us to talk about it. Yeah. Because we wanted to respect his wishes, but it made it so that I think people involved didn't accept what was going on until yeah. it happened. And in some ways, I thought that was unfair. Hmm. But I guess it's not really. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're dying, it's all about you, you know? Hmm. That's the last time it gets to be about you. <laughs> Who was sort of the force behind make, like making that transition from the moment he died into like an active remembering ritual like tell me how that because it sounds like it was spontaneous yeah do you remember like who started it or how or was i it? mean it was just so natural mm. i think nate must have lit the incense you know, he was lighting them the whole time. He loves smoke. He loves incense. But, you know, he's also very spiritual. And I think maybe lighting the incense started kind of that it was a, a signal to kind of be like, okay, let's. We were all together, too. Yeah. We were all together. And, you know, Jay had like, oh, I've got a bottle of whiskey. He's like, mm -hmm. okay, let's make some hot toddies. That's what we have here. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly how it happened, but it was just like, it was, it was almost like, well, that was what we were supposed to do then. We were supposed to have, we, it's like we were always supposed to have this, this, uh, this service for him. And maybe he liked the idea of going on this, uh, this trip, but he was preparing for a different trip mm. the whole time. <laughs> He used to take us on trips, on road trips, a lot. And he had this Astro van. And he would just be like, okay, we're going on a road trip. And he would have, get a cooler full of things. And it'd always just be the weirdest assortment of snacks. One time it was just like sardines and orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> and apples and yogurt was a lot, one of his favorites. And, you know, he'd always had a can of like, grapefruit juice like canned grapefruit juice and it would get hot in the car 
<laughs> and he'd be like, if y'all are thirsty, you can go drink the hot grapefruit juice. I was like, <laughs> ugh. It was so gross. <laughs> but, you know, just to go on a trip with Nate and Jay, you know, his, his two sons and his two first, his, you know, from the first marriage anyway. I think it was the idea. We really liked the idea of this, of this kind of like last road trip with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, finally we're taking him on a road trip, whereas he was always taking us on one. I think that's a beautiful place to stop with this like hilarious and really personal memory of what he was like. Yeah. I I feel like there's still a lot I could talk about, but yeah, well, I mean, I'm, for I'm for sure now, <laughs> will. I, I would love to. I, I would love to keep revisiting this over time as as it changes for you and as as you reflect more on it. But I, I I'd also just want to say thank you for for opening that up for for me and for everybody, um, and to and to say that you know my. My heart goes out to you and your whole family, and uh, and has been the whole time. And and I'm, uh, I was I was thinking about you the whole the whole hiatus, and I'm also really glad you're back. Thank you, and thank you for listening. I think more than anything, I I do want to normalize these experiences. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think it's something that we should only talk about when we're in like deep personal. Like, mm-hmm. I can only talk about it with that's what I felt like sometimes. And I don't, I don't think it's fair because no matter who you are, someone's going to die that, you know, mm-hmm. and it will happen. And it's, it's normal and it's a part of life and it is hard and it's really hard. Householders is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen center in Atlanta, Georgia and the silent thunder order. Find us on the web at ASZC.org. Our Sangha depends on your support. You can donate by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashaw.